are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle and Katie Minichi. All right. I am so excited to have Katie back on the show. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Today, as part of episode 80, we are going to talk about our favorite music activities from this year. As we're recording this, it is almost the end of April. So we've had almost a full year to try some activities out and, you know, kind of reflect on what has worked and what hasn't. I should mention, I don't know if you remember, Katie, we have a similar episode to this from last year. <laughs> yes, I should have referenced it. I'm, I'd be interested to see what yeah. I said now. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the notes from it as I was typing up this outline and I was like, oh, interesting. So that one, I'll just go ahead and tell listeners is episode 65 and it's called Looking Back and Looking Forward. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. But that, yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to what we're talking about today, just kind of looking back on the year. But as we're recording this, we are ending the 2021-2022 school year. So we will be talking about that school year. And then episode 65 is 2020 to 2021, <laughs> mm-hmm. which also had lots of challenges. Yes. Yes. The challenges continue. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about challenges, why don't we go ahead and start there? What do you feel is your overall biggest challenge this year? Well, you know, I think that my building is still in shock. (laughs) Our building last year had one of the highest numbers of students that opted to be online in our district. Mm -hmm. And then we went, so we were hybrid three, four, three quarters of the year, which means that we were at about half capacity each day. So maybe we had 300 students in the building. And then due to redistricting, we then went to 110 capacity, percent capacity. Wow. So, you know, to go from having 15 kids in a hybrid classroom mm-hmm. to 30 in a third grade split is just, it's hard. It's hard to find joy. And it's also just hard to see some of the kids failing because they were thriving in the smaller groups and then to see so many sensory and behavior issues come back mm-hmm. is just really sad so it's a challenge that and and i think it's a challenge because we don't have control so i mean that's maybe a kind of a downer to start on but i think that's the biggest thing that that's the biggest burden we're all carrying right now for sure is that we feel out of control on a, on a more positive like fun challenge is that I'm really embracing choice and agency in my classroom, which is something that you and I have talked about pretty much since we've met, you know, six, seven years ago. I do feel like I'm in a position where my building is really embracing that concept Mm -hmm. and I'm able to really dive in and try new things, but that comes with challenges such as having enough quiet spaces. So I've been working on having the kids use the classroom sometimes as almost like a lab space, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about as one of my favorite things, but there aren't enough quiet spots. I almost need practice rooms. Yeah. So, you know, to, to give kids autonomy is also noisy mm-hmm. and also requires technology, which you and I have discussed recently as well, that you know, does that mean I have the classroom teacher send it? Does that mean I use my 10 iPads? Does that mean, you know, how does, how does that all suss out? So those logistics are still a challenge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about you? Well, you know, last year 
I was in the 2020 to 2021 school year, I was 100% virtual. Mm -hmm. So coming back in person this year was just, you know, challenging in general, because like all of those logistics and decisions that were worked Mm -hmm. out by most people in the 2020 to 2021 school year, I was figuring out at the start of this year, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how are my kids going to sit? Like they need to be three feet apart. So where am I going to put them? How am I going to set that up? And, you know, how do I do this game? How do I do that? All those things. So just kind of adapting my classroom and adapting games for COVID so that, you know, at the start of this year, like I said, we were three feet distance and kids were wearing masks and I wasn't doing any hand holding or we were playing instruments, but we were disinfecting afterwards. So restrictions have loosened up since then, but just trying to figure out how am I going to make this work was definitely a Mm -hmm. challenge. And then because I had been virtual the previous year, I had all these awesome like activities and lessons that I wanted to try out, but then it was a challenge to figure out like, okay, but how do I do that when we're in person? Mm-hmm. You know, like Seesaw, I'll talk about in a little bit here, but I ended up really liking it and I really enjoyed it virtually, but I just, to do it virtually when, you know, at that point we were kind of like a Seesaw school, like all the kids who were virtual, whose teachers were using Seesaw were very familiar with it and knew how to get into it. And I didn't mm-hmm. have to show them how to get into Seesaw. I just had to assign the activity. So figuring mm-hmm. out that and like having just other asynchronous work that I was trying to shift to in-person work was somewhat challenging. Yeah. That's a big, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then what about your, what do you feel like your biggest success was this year? Well, my biggest success was actually a club that I started outside of the school day with the co-teacher at my building, the traveler at my building. We decided to try out something we're calling music lab. So in the month of March, we had fifth graders that were allowed to sign up. And now in April, we're serving our fourth graders that were allowed to sign up. And rather than have it be an open sign up like you would for choir or a larger group, we had the students write a personalized goal for the month. Uh-huh. So something they thought they could improve within four sessions or whatever, because we weren't really sure how it was going to go. So we kept it kind of structured in that way. And then those Thursday mornings of their month, they came in and had access to anything in the music room that was helpful to them. So if their goal was to learn guitar, I set them up with a partner that had a similar goal. They would sit in the hallways and use like simply guitar or, you know, I had some keyboardists that wanted to learn about sight reading and get better at like chords. So they were on simply piano. I had some that had never played piano. So I pulled out my favorite books that I used for private lessons. Mm-hmm. I had kids playing ukulele play alongs. There were kids that just wanted to play with technology. So I got out Spectrums and, and the Dash robot. And it was just really cool to see 20 to 25 kids that were highly motivated to be there because they had to reflect before they came in on what they wanted to get better at. And that was, it was just really fun. It was just joyful and we need that. Yeah. And such a great way to incorporate agency and choice. And it's so funny because I'm actually starting something really similar with fifth grade in this next rotation. And we didn't even have a conversation. (laughs) So now I'm like, oh, I'm kind of doing something like that. I'm mine is like genius hour, which is 
Kind of, I mean, I think you're very similar genius hour, but I'm making it pretty structured because sometimes genius hour is very much like kind of what you said, whatever you want to learn about. Yeah. Mine is a little bit more structured just because we're doing it during music class. I give them four choices of what they want to do more of or what they want to learn more about. So I have ukulele, keyboard. So I like that idea about the favorite books. I'm going to have to see what I have in my store. I have a whole class set. So if you wanted to see those, I have like the purple books, like the entry level. Okay. I always say primer, but I think it's called primer. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe okay. It's like one of those weird words that I say incorrectly because right, I read yeah. it that way in my head. Um, <laughs> but I have a whole class set that I had purchased when I was a traveler. So okay. if you need some, I probably don't need 30. I could send you some. Okay. Yeah. I found some videos and uploaded them to our video platform, which is called My VR Spot, that are just like fun keyboard tutorials. Yeah. But it would be cool for them to work from a primer or primer book or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I have keyboard, ukulele, coding. So I am having them do some exploration of different coding tools. Mm-hmm. And then what was the last one? Oh, GarageBand, because we just got done with a GarageBand project. And it's so funny because I was actually going to do a different choice, but I just had a fifth grader say to me, can we do more GarageBand? And I was like, yeah, actually we could. <laughs> so it is my fourth choice. So I'm going to have them kind of explore. I'm going to kind of be adding materials each week and they kind of get to explore. I also like the idea of goal setting. So I'm going to steal that too. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really cool because they came in with intention. Right. You know, that was really fun to see. I'm excited to see how it rolls out for you in the classroom and you're giving me ideas because really we're getting to the point where we see some of these groups three, maybe four more times, five more times. So it's always hard to wrap it up with a bow. Right. Especially with, with our kids that are going to be rising into a new building. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, just handing it over to the kids, I just find so much joy in that. And I do have some kids that, that are writing their own songs that they just were like, can you just print me staff music? And I was like, sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no problem with that. So great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. Cause I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. All right. My biggest success, I just feel like we talked about this a lot last year about how we were inspired to do more lessons where it was like half whole group teaching and half Mm -hmm. independent work or small group work or whatever. And I did do that quite a bit this year with third, fourth and fifth grade. I did it a lot. Second grade, I did it a decent amount too. First grade, a little bit, like I actually had a lesson this week, this rotation where I had students for the first time in first grade doing a seesaw activity. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, half whole group teaching, half independent work, but I did definitely have more whole group lessons in kindergarten in first grade and a little bit of second grade. But overall, I did a lot more of, you know, independent work where students had agency and choice and um, were able to make decisions and able to create music with technology and all of that good stuff. And it worked out really well. So I was- That's great. I have learned that first graders- do not have the stamina for centers to last more than like 25 minutes. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a little so, bit more difficult with, with right, right. But I so, you know a lot of times I do start with like, even with centers, I'll start with a whole group lesson and then split off into centers. So maybe by the time they actually are in centers, it's probably just half an hour. Yeah. Right. That's kind yeah. of what I've done is yeah. maybe 25 minutes to half an hour. And then, you know, everything's set up when they get there, but then they still have like a mini lesson before they break out. They just, you know, they, it's a long time for them to be 
focused on tasks and the games right. don't last as long for them. And yeah, yeah, I've had yeah, to learn where, to move it. That's where we're fortunate to have 50 yes. minute lessons, even though like with first grade, that can be long, but with something like centers that does that time span works out really well because you can still, you know, do some singing games and stuff with them and then do centers and it works out really well. Yes, for sure. There was a bit of a learning curve, but it's yeah. it's working out well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So our favorite activities from this year. So I have five that I'm going to offer up that worked out really well. And I actually don't have centers on this list, but as we're talking, I did do more centers this year. I'm, you know, every year I'm implementing more and more centers and that did work out really well this year, especially because like you said, our district is focusing on agency and choice and centers does that really well. So that definitely was a success. I'm doing ukulele with fourth grade right now. And mm -hmm. I did, Nathan and I did an ukulele class earlier this year. And that's been really fun. Every time I teach ukulele, I'm like, oh, I do really like this. This is really fun. And the kids just, you know, they seem, you know, really engaged and excited. And I, I don't know how many of you listening have found this, but I just feel like COVID has decreased our students' fine motor skills. Mm -hmm. and like ability to, like I noticed with this with the crossover Bordeaux when I first tried to teach it, it was kind of a mess mm -hmm. to teach a crossover Bordeaux. So there's something about like that fine motor, like putting your third finger on the third fret on the first, you know, like that is a little bit, I feel like that's harder for them than it has been in previous years. But then I'm also really glad I'm doing it because they obviously need that. Yes. You know? With first grade, I had this activity I did with I Got the Rhythm, which is a book. And of course, off the top of my head, I don't remember the author. I'll try to pull it up. But it's this really awesome book, picture book called I Got the Rhythm. And I added in like non-pitch percussion instruments to it. And I actually have, I'll link this in the show notes. I have uh, visuals for it that you can download and use in your own classroom. Mm -hmm. um, but this first I read the book and then this was near the beginning of the year. So we were practicing rhythm with first grade and it was really good for self-regulation. So they is had there a like, little girl flying on the cover. There is a little girl with pigtails. I don't know if she's flying. She might well, be insane. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're probably thinking of the right book. I love but, that one if we're thinking of the same one. Yeah, it's super. It's like, I got the rhythm and you do too, or you can too. And it's like, you know, I got the rhythm with my eyes, blink, blink. I got the rhythm with my fingers, snap, snap. It's, it's nice. something along those lines. And then for each like snap, snap, clap, clap, whatever, I, I assigned a different non-pitch percussion instrument. And what I really liked about that was like, it just was good for their self-regulation that they had to put the instrument in front of them and not touch it until it was their turn. Mm -hmm. So they really enjoyed that. And I really did too. So that was a hit. I've done, have you ever done four corners in music class? I've been wanting to do it, especially because one of our colleagues has made some videos and I've, they've been on oh, my, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Yes. They've been on my, the top of my list to incorporate into a lesson and I haven't done it yet. Yes. So Sarah King has a YouTube channel called Mrs. King's Music Corner, and she mm -hmm. has been putting out so many videos. They're so fun. And yeah, she has some four corner videos. But before she started putting those out, I bought a set from Silly O Music on TV mm. from Jane. She's just 
super sweet. I've met her in person and she has some really great, like she's the one she, I bet you have boom cards that she's done. Kate. I absolutely do. And they're all yes. great. <laughs> yeah, she has like fabulous boom cards, but then she has these four corners games. So I bought the one for, I think it was like Todd, Titi and Russ. And I did this with first grade and oh my goodness, it was such a huge hit. Like they were so excited. <laughs> So like they each go to a corner and then you listen to the rhythm pattern and they have to figure out which one it is and whichever one it, it is, that's that corner gets out. Well, I'm writing this down. Yeah. This I will link to happen. in the show notes too, because she has, so after the success of this Tati D rest for corners, I was like, I have to have more of these. <laughs> so <laughs> I bought the whole bundle and it was totally worth. So now I have like almost every single concept you can think of. So I'm quite excited about that. And then I did it. Oh, you know what? I think the first one I did was Somi. And then I did the one for Ta, Titi, and Rest. Both were mm-hmm. a hit. I did Somi and La with second grade, total hit. So yes, but she has them for other grades too. So, and it's already done for you. So you just click the link and boom, you're there. So very cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, with first, second, and third grade, I made a point this year. I like made a goal for myself at the end of the third quarter that I wanted to do like an ORF arrangement with several grade levels and really be intentional about that. Because a lot of times, like I'm not, I don't have ORF training. I did student teach with a ORF trained teacher. So I definitely get out the ORF instruments somewhat frequently, but Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm just like, okay, let's learn a Bordeaux and we play it all together and everyone gets a turn and then we sit back down. I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. putting together a whole ORF arrangement. So I decided I was going to do that. So with first grade, I did it for Bow Wow Wow. And I had some students just playing a Bordeaux, like DNA at the same time. So we did it in the key of D and then the other students were playing finger symbols and triangles on the rests. Cool. Um, And then we switched. So everybody got a turn to do, you know, each instrument they wanted to or whatever. And then with second grade, I had some students playing a Bordeaux on, I think I did like xylophones were playing a Bordeaux. The metallophones were playing an alternating Bordeaux where they're going back and forth between B and A. Cool. And then I, I did it for apple tree. And then the triangles and finger symbols played like rest, 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 ding, rest, 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 ding, mm-hmm. like that. And again, that worked really well. And then third grade, I did alternating Bordeaux. This I did it for Great Big House, alternating Bordeaux and Ostinato. So I just did like F sharp, B, D. And I don't know if I'm singing in the right key. So I apologize. If I mm-hmm. So they did an ostinato. And then I had um, a crossover Bordeaux added in there for third grade. And we put it all together. And this was an all-in-one lesson. It was like, maybe in one lesson, we would do one ostinato. Maybe in another lesson, we would try the crossover. Maybe, you know, so we kind of like chunked it up over several lessons. And then we put it all together. And I did that in the class rotation. And so it was fun. Yeah, it was really cool to be able to put it all together and for them to work on those ensemble skills and really listen to each other. And I did Uh an assessment too. So it was just like an observational assessment. I wrote down the students who were absent and I just kind of watched how are students doing? Are they able to stay on their part? And the vast majority of them were able to. So that was, that was really fun. Yeah. And then the last one I mentioned garage band with fifth grade earlier, we did a garage band project. A lot of times I've done an ABA garage band project where they have to use loops to create like an A section. And then they use three different loops to create the B section. And then they have to copy and paste and do the A section again. But since we were working on theme and variations, I thought I would just change it up a little bit. And we did a theme and variations garage band project. So they had to like create their theme and then they had to do a variation, which was similar to the theme, but not totally the same. And then they had to do a second variation. So um, how'd it go? It was good. Yeah. I mean, they 
the level of engagement when they're working with their group creating, like they were so excited and, you know, you can get fifth graders super excited. That's awesome. (laughs) So yes, yes. Win. I like this. Yeah. That's, I need to pick your brain because I dove right in and tried to do theme and variation and I haven't done your ABA assignment in the past and they did not grasp the concept of theme and variation. Was this doing it on iPads or were you doing it with- On GarageBand, yeah. So- Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Now I was pleased with how they learned to- manipulate GarageBand like an instrument. Yeah. So it was successful in that way, but they just didn't get the concept of the theme and the variation. The variation ended up being something like totally unrecognizable. It was a B. It was unrecognizable. Yeah, with some you know. some of my students also had that same issue, but I did do like some listening beforehand. Like we listened to some theme and variations pieces. And yes, about- I needed I needed to do more of that. Yeah. And we talked about what theme and variations was. And there's a really cool video that I can link to in the show notes that I found of music from Harry Potter that yes represents that shows theme and variations. And it's awesome because it like, well, it'll say like theme variation one variation two. So it's oh, like, cool. See, so I think that was helpful. Yeah. I need to do more research and I gave myself grace on it because I hadn't taught fifth grade in six years. Yeah. So yeah. Embracing that like project-based sort of curriculum that I think works really well with fifth grade. I just, there were some hits and misses, but they were engaged the whole time. So even though not every concept was maybe hit with as much depth as I hoped, they learned something with everything we did. So for sure. Yeah. It'll only get better. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What about you? What were your favorite activities from this year? It's really fun to get picture books back out. For a while, I was doing read-alouds and videos and those sorts of things. And so just to get to read a long song with kids again is really lovely. And I do like to take, especially the Robert Munch books, and Mm -hmm. and add sort of sounds, turn it into a sound story. So one of my favorite moments was second grade this year was Up, Up, Down. Uh We just had so much fun. And we've been spending so much time working on the music room being our space, not just mine, that everything there belongs to the school. Let's be respectful. Mm-hmm. Let's learn where things are so we can put them back appropriately. So by the time we got to up, up, down this year, the second graders knew where everything was. So they'd say, well, what about a triangle? Sure, go get a triangle if that's the idea you have. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so what I did was take the most musical phrases from up up down and i put them on three by five cards okay so like a kid would get a card i would just mix them up and give them maybe six kids had a card that said up 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 fall down right yeah i'm the king of the castle mommy's a dirty rascal you know i just put them all on different cards so that they while they listened the first time they had their card so they could start to hone in on okay what what would i want to do with that Oh, that's really fun. It was really fun. And then I gave them like a mad minute to like look around the room or find someone that had the same card as them. Mm -hmm. And then we read it again. And I said, you are only in charge of your card. So it was slightly messy the first time we would read again, but they would start to incorporate the sound that they heard. And then once they started to realize who else was playing, sort of organically just worked out that they would sort of conduct each other. You know, they were starting to make decisions together. And then like a third time through, then it started to really sound like a performance, right? So that was that was a huge win. I think kids really loved it. 
they really enjoyed that. And I love that book. So that was my first fave. My second fave that I wanted to share is that I purchased several of the Who Is series for musicians. Do you have these? I don't know. Um, I might have a couple of the composer ones. Do they have composer or are they just musicians? These are musicians. So the Who Is series is, uh, you know, some of the listeners might right away know what I'm talking about, but they're, they're chapter books. And oh, yeah, the I don't covers, think I've them. Okay. The covers are all like very cartoony, like the heads are like twice the size of a yes. head versus the body. Yep. And a lot of our kids in third, fourth, fifth grade, third grade especially, one of the things that they have to do is like a living museum and they research a person. And a lot of the kids, it's like right at their reading level mm-hmm. for nonfiction. It's perfect. So a lot of the kids had recently used that series to choose their person for the living museum. Okay. So I just purchased, like I have Bob Dylan and Stevie Wonder, Louis Armstrong, the Beatles, Dolly Parton, just some really interesting historical figures, but then also a few of them are still alive, which is great. And then I also still have like the composer series that I think a lot of people probably have that have like the cartoons mixed in with real pictures and mm-hmm. kind of graphic novelty. So one of the things that I've been doing, because with my younger students, I've embraced when we do centers, there's always a book center, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't always work as well with the older students. So using that series has been really cool and seeing the kids like sit along, like we have ramps near the doors, Mm -hmm. they'll sit on the ramps while the other kids are in their split doing ukulele and seeing kids read a chapter at a time to each other like they're like partner reading and or they'll come up to me and one of them one of them had a really interesting discussion with me because it talks about how one of dolly parton's early hits was called dumb blonde Uh and it was really cool she was like i think i like dolly parton i like that she like wanted to put out there that people were misunderstanding her and that just because she's pretty doesn't mean she could be, you know, she couldn't be smart. And yeah. And I just thought it was so cool. Like, yeah, it was really cool. And kids were going a little bit more in depth and were more engaged than I thought they would be because I think I finally was able to find something that like hit their reading level. Yeah. Did you find those at the book fair? Where did you find those? They were, they're a scholastic. Uh Uh-huh. So I had a pack when I inherited the classroom and then um, we actually went, one of my favorite spots in Columbus is called the book loft. Yeah. I love that place. Yes. We hadn't been in forever. And I will say it's very tight quarters Mm -hmm. and we went over spring break just to try it out. It was a little people-y. I'm still Mm -hmm. not quite ready for, you know, (laughs) to touch strangers in a tiny bookstore, but it is just such a magical little place. And they had the whole series. So I leafed through and bought like four more of them. So I have almost 10 now. And I mean, there are dozens and dozens of these books, but there just so happened to be about 10 that I could find that were about musicians. So that was another favorite just because it's always great to see kids reading. That's always meaningful. But then to have something in my classroom that uh, some of the kids have even said, well, can I borrow this for a day or two? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So Mm -hmm. they're starting to see the books on the shelf as something that they have access to, which I love. I mentioned it before, but my third thing was the split classroom, like you had mentioned. So giving students the opportunity to work within a playlist that I've curated for ukulele and then mm. also using Simpl- Simply Guitar, which is an app that I wasn't, I was a little hesitant to try because I don't think 
that an app should ever replace the relationship with an instructor. But for the purposes of independence and especially learning sight reading and visual tracking, it is so well done. My daughter has been playing with it because I have Simply Piano as well. I got like a three month trial just to see if I liked it. She was like sight reading songs from Encanto with like simple chords. I mean, it was still in C. Right. But there was a day where she played instead of playing Minecraft, which both of our girls love and there's nothing wrong with. She sat and played simply guitar like it or a piano like it was a like it was a game for like an hour and a half. That's awesome. Totally uninterrupted, totally unprompted. I was like, Mm -hmm. what? (laughs) So um, so I have actually really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not a spokesperson and I'm not being paid for this plug, but but it actually has worked really well in my classroom and you and I both have interactive TVs. So to get the kids started, I was able to pull the app directly onto the interactive TV. So the kids were hearing it as a whole class first. And then the kids that I saw that were motivated or picking it up quickly, I sent off in pairs to then continue working. So it was kind of cool. And then the kids that needed more help stayed with the big group. And I did feel like they were picking up full chords faster. That's awesome. Yeah, because full chords are a little bit tricky to teach to 25 kids at once, I find, especially with guitar. Instead of like the easy chord, is that what you mean? Yeah, so I started with easy chords for a few weeks with my own materials that I've curated over the years. But then when we were ready for full chords, we started with the E minor and, you know, they were just so excited to be able to play to like, we will rock you as a track, right? Yeah. So, So that was really cool. And I, you know, I had a little bit of a preconceived notion about me not wanting to like that. And then when I sat down and played through it with my daughter, I was like, okay, these are actually really well done materials. Yeah. So they don't, they don't replace us at all, but I think they give our kids some independence, which is really cool. Yeah. So if you're listening and you feel like I did, don't be afraid to try it. (laughs) As silly as it sounds, I'm loving my sit spots, even though the kids pick at them. Yes. I mean, that part drives me crazy. Right. But it just allows another level of color coding that's so fun. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been times that I'm like, you know, if if you have blue on your shoe, line up. If you have a pink shirt, line up or whatever. Now I can say, you know, if we do like, hey, children, who's in town? Do you do this one? No, I've never heard of that. Lori Walls taught it to me. It goes, hey, children, who's in town? Everybody look what's going down. Everybody sing your name. So it's got that speaking voice and singing voice. So my K1s, a lot of times that's my greeting song with them. But now I can sing, if you have a blue dot, sing your name. So that's such a quick and easy way to get kids a little bit out of the big group. So to go from whole part whole without having to like, distinguish what they're wearing or certainly don't want to do boys and girls you know like it's just been fun to have like those different colors and then they get excited throughout the years as they can identify more of the symbols that are on the the set spots so they're like i'm sitting on a quarter note yes but you (laughs) know what i started doing because of the feeling issue i started putting down some dots that didn't have anything on the middle and you're like that's all you get Because they were peeling from the symbol. I was like, oh my gosh, stop peeling. Although I did see one of the dots that I did that to that I just put down a plain dot. Someone still managed to peel it up, but it happens less <laughs> when there's those stinkers. I know, I know, but I still really like those spots. Do you mind writing the notation for that? Hey, children, sure. 
Cause that's super fun. And I can put that in the show notes. Oh, it's, it's just like simple and it doesn't sound kiddish, right? Yeah. So even though it has that, like, so me, la, so me, uh-huh. it just, you know, the kids don't seem to tire of it and mm-hmm. I don't tire of it. Right. Because yeah. sometimes the greeting songs, they wear on me. Yeah. I was actually just thinking, you know what? I've been doing like, here we are together in music class, you know, mm-hmm. with kindergarten and first grade. I'm like, I think I should change it up next year. And maybe the first graders get a different song because they've been singing here. We are together for right. a year and they probably want something different. So I should do something different. So maybe I'm I think by grade level, that's kind of nice. Anything, yeah. anything that differentiates yeah. and keeps us from getting bored too. Right. Because if I'm bored. It's all over. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't focus. And the, the last thing I really loved is I really have made it a goal to try to incorporate more improvisation and explain it better. And like you said, both of us are Kodai inspired teachers, but so many of our colleagues are strong ORF inspired teachers. So mm-hmm. learning from them and trying to use some of the sort of simple changes in language to try to explain things like as simple as it is, I've been having the kids like practice, like tap eight taws, now tap eight beats of TT, now mix the taws and TTs, like just keeping that steady beat and like getting them out of their own head a little bit. Right. But I've just had to learn to continually prep at the beginning, you know, like, okay, let's reinforce what's a ta. All right. Now we're our, now throw in a ticka ticka somewhere in there. What's ticka ticka sound like? You know? Yeah. So just just trying to work that more into my own vernacular. And there are a couple play alongs that I love that like there's a tisket a tasket. There's a play along for that. And there's a spot in the middle for improvisation. Oh fun. There's also a really cool read aloud on YouTube. I'll try to find it and link it for you of Charlie Parker played Bebop. Yeah, where they I take, love that book. Yes. Have you seen the read aloud? I don't think I have. So there's this really cool read aloud. And so I read it to them first. And then basically it's a choose your own adventure when they get to the bebop fisk fisk part. Uh-huh. So they keep a steady beat. But then you basically are improvising with those chunks over top of it. Like the kids can oh. choose which lollipop, boom, ba, boom, ba. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So trying to find like simple things like that, that get me out of my comfort zone just enough that I can still explain it to the kids because improvisation scared me for a long time. Yeah. So I do feel like that's been a win. I've really enjoyed any time that I've allowed the kids to do that. And some of the world drumming patterns that we've done as for professional development lend themselves to that. Yeah. So that's been really fun. That's awesome. As a former member of a jazz band for many, many years. I always appreciate anytime you can make improvisation like less scary, you know, because yes. when I when I first started playing in jazz band in high school or junior high and being asked to improvise, it's just like, okay, now you play. You know, I wasn't really like trained into how do you play a solo? How do you right. a solo? You know, I mean, I learned a little bit more about that in college, but it always seemed like this very daunting task. So anytime I can find an activity where it's like students are improvising, but it's like a very safe environment where like, you're not going to mess up. Like anything you do is going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I will check those. Can you send me those links? Cause I'll put those in the show notes. That's super. I fun. will. I will. So I'll try to find you the Charlie Parker. And then, oh, there was the the a task. task Those are just really fun. And the, you know, the other ones that, that have been helpful to me are like the what's for dinner world drumming pattern. And, you know, that I may have learned from you or, or Megan, 
don't know, but I love it. I think it was me, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. we probably were in the same professional development. <laughs> They're just awesome. so great. Yeah. All right. So now that we've talked about all those awesome activities, which you just gave me some really great ideas. Same. I wrote down most of what you said, I think. (laughs) I was like fervishly reading. Yeah. Feverishly writing. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought we would touch upon like your all time. No, I shouldn't say all time from this year, what your favorite tech tool was. Because like last year, okay, not, yeah, the last year, 2020 to 2021, I feel like we learned so much about whether you were Mm -hmm. hybrid or you were virtual, you know, like I started using Nearpod and Pear Deck and Google Slides more and, you know, all of that. But what was your favorite from this year in particular? I mean, it's it's a simple one, but I have to say having the interactive TV. Yeah. It's such a game changer. I I was functioning without a smart board. So, but I mean, just being able to use the whiteboard function to be able to save work, to be able to link things directly on the interface, it's like having a huge touchscreen computer for all the kids to be using. So, and I love that it interacts so seamlessly with Google Slides that I can pull up staff music or we can do like contour to music and we can highlight it and then change it to circle it we can erase things we can you know save it for the next class so i know it's maybe not the most exciting but just having that that interface is amazing well and the way that you're using it so we both have a viewsonic board which is like for those people listening and you haven't heard of ViewSonic, it's similar to a smart board in that it's an interactive board, but you can write on anything. So like you could pull up a website and you could write on it. It doesn't have to be in smart notebook that you're writing, but you are using it a little bit differently than I am. And I need to explore how you're using it because you are using what, what is the software called that you've been using? That's like goes with the view. It's called whiteboard. And it's similar to the smart note that you would use for and smart notebook that you would use for the smart board. It just allows you to create content. Mm -hmm. But what's cool is I can create content on my laptop and then log in on the interactive TV and it just logs me in and I can pull up all of my files. So I don't need to be hardwired to my laptop. I don't even have to have my laptop with me because it'll know my account. And then if I save my Google Drive to the main page of the interface, like I wasn't there today, mm-hmm. my sub was able to just click on it and it opened all my Google Slides. Oh, very cool. So uh, like just lesson planning and planning to not be in the classroom is so much easier mm-hmm. because they don't have to worry about extraneous passwords and trying to get into things. So everything's already hyperlinked and goes right there. And I do also love the option that like when I was teaching GarageBand, I could screen mirror right onto the interactive TV. So the kids were seeing, you know, in life-size pictures, like this is what I want you to access. Yes. Please touch this to go back to the main menu. Please touch this to save. So yeah, it's really, it's, just streamlined my teaching. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I think about like the beginning or even not even the beginning, like five years ago, still like using right. a CD player, like the way it would <laughs> just like interrupt, it would just interrupt the flow of things. And now yes. I'm like, here, I'm going to click this and then you're going to listen to it right now. Right. <laughs> Instead I did of actually like, start. Did I put that in four or five of my CD changer? Like, I don't Yeah, I actually did start and maybe you've already been doing this. I did start inserting some audio into Google Slides. 
yes. so that I could just hit play on the audio instead of having to like freeze. I finally figured out how to freeze my screen. I didn't know that until a few months ago. I'd been like turning my screen off just so the kids didn't see it. And I'm like, oh, duh, there's how you freeze it. But instead of having to, you know, turn it off or freeze the screen and then go to iTunes and hit play or whatever. Right. I started inserting onto a slide, which was definitely helpful. That's awesome. I even love the timer. I love yeah. the timer. Yeah. I need to play around with some of the features more, but I have been using it this week because like I said, first graders were using Seesaw for the first time. And so I was able to hook up one of my Chromebooks mm-hmm. and show them how to, because just the way that they have to get to, to Seesaw is a little bit convoluted. Yeah. It's a good segue because I was actually going to talk my fa- about my favorite tech tool, which is yes. Seesaw. But the downside of Seesaw is just to get them into it is a little bit tricky. Like I have to, they bring their Chromebooks with them and like they have a QR code that they use to log into their Chromebook when they're okay. in yeah. great. Mm-hmm. So they do that. And then I hand them a double-sided QR code. On one side, the QR code takes them to the Seesaw website. On the other side, it takes them to their specific class. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah. Is it by grade level or by class? By class. Yeah, I do it by Got class. it. Yeah. Okay. So, because then if, if I did it by grade level, then they would have to wade through like 100 names to find their name. So true. Yeah. So, but to get to the point where they're able to scan the QR code, they have to <gasps> click a little circle in the corner. I showed this at the, our last PD. Yes. They have to click a circle in the corner. And this is totally specific to, to our school district, but they have to click a circle in the corner. They have to type the word camera or start to type the word camera. Uh-huh. They have to bring up the camera. They have to click a little QR code button. Then they can scan the QR codes. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe in another district, it's a lot easier, but like I had to go through all those steps and the, what saved me was being able to hook up my Chromebook to my ViewSonic and be like, okay, first thing you're going to do is this. And then we do that together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next, we're going to do this. And then I show them on the screen we do that together. And I still have some students that are like, I'm not there yet. And I'm like, it's okay. I'll come back and help you. Cause you know, <laughs> most of the kids are there. So we're going to walk everyone through it and then I'm <laughs> right and help anybody who's not there. So, right. Yeah. So that has been a game changer too. So yeah. So Seesaw, it, the, the downside is because we're not a Seesaw school and they're, I don't think any of the classroom teachers at my building are currently using Seesaw. Although one of them was also virtual last year. And I just talked, like we've been talking about Seesaw because she used it all of last year and she wants to start using it again next year. But what's awesome about it is that like the first graders that I've been doing it with this week, a decent number of my first graders I taught last year in kindergarten because they were virtual and kindergarten did seesaw. Like that's how they did all of their lessons last year. Everything was uh-huh. on seesaw. If it was asynchronous, it was on seesaw. So those students were really excited. Like, oh, we get to use seesaw again because, you know, they haven't used it all year and they really yeah. like it. And the students who were new to seesaw, they really like it too, because they have choices within seesaw. I think this is what's really brilliant about it is like, uh-huh. Like today I had first graders compose with Ta, TT, and Rest. So they had eight boxes and they had to fill the eight boxes with Ta, TT, and Rest. And then they clicked record and they read their composition. That's awesome. Yeah, super easy. And what's great is like they can choose, do I want to use the pencil, the pen, the highlighter, or the sparkly highlighter? And then once I make that decision, which color do I want? You know what I mean? Like there are all these choices. Is there even a decision to be made? Of course, it's the sparkly highlighter. (laughs) 
So they really love it. And then what's, you know, just as a teacher, I get to see, can they create eight beats of rhythm? Can they read it to a steady beat? Can they take, mm-hmm. you know, can they make sure that they're resting for a full beat when they do the rest or are they just, you know, breezing past the rest? All of those things I'm mm-hmm. able to see because I can just hit play and I can hear them read their composition. And I mean, if it weren't for technology, if I had to listen to 28 students, because we have big set class sizes, I, yeah. you know, close to 28 in some of my classes, in order for me to hear all 28, you know, like, how would I even do that? I would be, it would be taking up several class lessons that I have to be pulling students one at a time and listening to them. But I did this within 25 minutes, you know? Right. And then I actually, some of the students were actually able to move on to creating in Chrome Music Lab. So that was really fun. And I also did it with second grade for composing, but we did rhythm and melody. And I'd be happy to link both of those Seesaw activities. For those of you who use Seesaw, I can link to those activities in the show notes so that you can add them to your Seesaw library. A lot of other things with Seesaw, like my third graders are working on, like I sent this to you, Katie, like an instruments of the orchestra, like treasure map game that I made. So it's been really fun. And I've been able to see a lot of just like a a variety of diversity of what they know, instead of just seeing Mm -hmm. one skill, I'm able to see like, you know, can they identify the instrument families? Can they respond to this music with Mm -hmm. adjectives or some musical terms? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm able to see more than one thing with it, which is really awesome. So now that, and I actually took a class, I should mention that too. Um, I took a course, which allowed me to, it gave me the time to really like dive into Seesaw because Mm -hmm. we're all so busy and sometimes you want to use something, but you just don't have the time. So with this course, was this a learner's edge course? It was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this learner's edge course is, it's like a tech. I don't remember the exact name, but I will link to it in the show notes. It's like tech something. So it allows you to choose whatever tech tool you want. And then you do a deep dive. So it was awesome Mm -hmm. because I was able to look up, you know, read some blog posts about it. I interviewed people who had used Seesaw. I created my own Seesaw activity. I used it in class. I recorded the students and how they did. And I had to submit that. Yeah. There was like a a lot of things that I was able to learn about Seesaw. And because I was earning graduate credit for it, it Uh made it, it was like, okay, it's okay. Like, yes, this does take a lot of time, but at least I'm earning graduate credit for it, you know? Right. So I don't, and I think if I hadn't done that, I don't know that I would have taken the dive to using it in person because there was a learning curve to how to do uh-huh. that. And I, I did write a, a couple blog posts for anyone interested. Like one of them was just like, here are some of my favorite Seesaw activities. But then the next one was like, how to get started with Seesaw, which is like, how do you get into the platform if you're not a Seesaw school? So like, like I said, once the students know how to do it, it's so much easier. It's just me trying to wrap my mind around how do I get them there? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, but then it's totally worth it because it's such an awesome tool. Yeah. All right. So on my short list for next year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So anything else? We talked about a ton of stuff. So many things. Yeah. I'm going to have to burn through a lot of topics, go back and listen to this and write notes to myself. Awesome. Well, do you you want to talk about what we're consuming? Sure. All right. So I, okay. So I mentioned this in my last podcast episode, but I'm just going to give it a shout out again, because I'm, have you ever heard of severance? 
I have, and I haven't watched it yet, but I know that Ron right. Weasley's in it. Ron Weasley's in it? No, oh, no, that's Servant. <laughs> servant has Ron Weasley in it. <laughs> There's someone else that's like, who would I know from Severance? Adam Scott. There we go. Yeah. Okay. But now that's I, very but now different. Now we need to check out Servant too, because Servant. Harry Potter I've heard good things about Servant. <laughs> okay. So I just want to give a shout out to that. I do have another show that I'm mentioning, but we have watched more of Severance and it is really, it's like a dystopian drama. That's super interesting. I love like, Adam Scott, but he is not funny in this. Not on purpose. Like he does say some things that you kind of giggle at, but it's not a comedy. It's like he goes to work and he doesn't remember his home life and he goes home and he doesn't remember his work life. They're like severed from each other. Yes, I did hear of that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's still really, really interesting. Yeah. So still watching that. But then we also started watching Station Eleven. Have you heard of that? I have. But I, I don't on, know anything about it. It's on HBO Max. Yeah, okay. because I was Googling like good shows to watch on HBO Max because we have it as a service and we hadn't been watching it very much. Uh-huh. So found that one and it is, it's like a pandemic show, but it's not COVID. It's a different pandemic that comes through and kills a bunch of people. And it's kind of like the end of the world. Great, a new nightmare. <laughs> If you, if you are like, you know, pandemic doubt, maybe not the show, but it's so funny, just really well done. Like just, I don't know if the way it's shot, the way that the um, dialogue, everything is, is really well done. So I'm excited to dig into that more, but that one is like a slightly more intense. So, and severance is a little bit intense too. So, you know, Scott and I say like, if it's too intense, we shouldn't watch it right before bedtime. So Sure. Yeah. So what about you? What are you consuming? Well, I just read the second Crescent City book. I'm a big Sarah J. Moss fan. And it was a very interesting book. And her her other series, A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is like fantasy sort of romance. I even got my husband to read that one. And they're turning that into a show on Hulu like forthcoming so really cool author i really enjoy her but to be totally honest i am consuming plants not by eating them but just i'm in a plant phase okay tell me more i may even have to send you a picture of the amount of grow lights that are in my house like my pandemic quirk Uh uh-huh so most recently well actually not recently last fall i was probably just like two glasses of wine in, which is all it takes for me to make bad decisions. And this was actually a good decision, a good wine decision, but I really like dahlias. And Uh it's funny because like my very good friends, they laugh because I'm so allergic to everything that I've always had an aversion specifically to flowers. So I would, you know, maybe like grow tomatoes or basil, like a a salad garden, but never, never flowers because I was just allergic to everything. I really, truly am. The outside is out to get me, but I've taken so many allergy shots over the last like five years. And I still take Allegra and, and Singular every day for like asthma allergies and the like that I'm getting to the point where I can sort of enjoy a flower here and there. So I, in a wine haze, ordered some dahlias (laughs) from Holland. Okay. And they just arrived this week. So like they wait, sent wait. me tubers, Did which you... is like the root. Okay. I just want to clarify. Did you yes, say tell me more. You, you ordered it last fall? Yes. It just arrived. You have to order them because okay. then they like harvest 
Oh, wow. The, the bulb and package it and send it to you. And it, okay. it was like a fall sale. So I didn't spend an exorbitant amount of money, especially right. considering it's coming from Holland. Right. But um, this spring, I will be growing Dutch dahlias. Wow, that's fun. Is it? It's nerdy. <laughs> Like, it's okay. Let's, it let's be good. honest. Yeah. So that, and you know, I mean, I have to give a shout out to the home edit because you know how much I love to organize things too. Yeah. So that was consumed very quickly in our house. My daughter and I now have labels for everything and clear containers and perhaps I'll harvest my Dutch dahlias in a clear container and just like bring all my quirks and market one. Dutch dahlia. <laughs> I need to, I think I've watched a couple of those shows, but I should watch it again because as we've talked about before, I am not naturally like organized with physical things, like with things in my house, I'm kind of a disaster, but if it has a label on it, that's like, you've been in my music room. Like, you know, I have labels on everything because yeah, that helps me. If I have a label, I know where it goes. Even if it's kind of a mess, when you open up the drawer, you will find mallets yeah. in that drawer because the drawer says mallets. <laughs> Yes. So I should check check out that show. You know, it's even just a really great Instagram follow because okay. everything they do is very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. It's just very fun to look at and it's inspiring. Yeah. I mean, I think that level of organization maybe isn't always attainable, certainly in a classroom, but it is, I, I like how they talk about like there being zones for things. So even in my classroom, I do kind of have like a bookshelf that's like zoned just for picture books. And then I have yeah. all mm -hmm. my tech stuff and mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, a weird mm -hmm. fantasy, like fairy books mm -hmm. and flowers that's and nice. clear containers. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, this was so much Getting fun. weirder over here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for all of the awesome ideas. I should mention that this will be the last podcast for a while. I'm going to take some time off this summer to relax. And also I'll be going to open up my centers course again. And I'm also working on a long range planning course. So I have some work to do this summer and then I'll start the podcast back up probably. And I, I would imagine you don't need this audience to be told, but those are such great classes. Oh, thank you. They're wonderful. Thank you. I'm excited yeah. to. You are wonderful. I always enjoy oh, you talking are too. to you. You are. Oh, too. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for the awesome ideas. And I hope everyone listening got some great ideas too. Great. Thank All you. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.